very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of GrowingDentist.com. Today, I'm very excited because I'm talking to somebody who did something very unique in a small town. Her name is Dr. Erin Elliott. She is with Post Falls Family Dental, and her website is postfallsfamilydental.com. So in addition to being a great dentist, she also built this niche practice within the practice focusing on dental sleep medicine. So Dr. Dr. Elliot, welcome. Welcome to another episode of growingdentist.com, and I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm glad you reached out. Thank you, Doctor. And um, before we get started, uh, for those of your listeners who, who have never heard of you or never met you in person, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'd love to. A pretty basic story. I grew up in Southern California, a little town called Orange County, California. <laughs> and saying that, I decided that I wanted to go see the country. So when it came time to choose my undergrad, soccer and school was my passion. And I found a small Christian school college in the middle of nowhere, New York State, near Buffalo, New York. And really uh, enjoyed my time as a student athlete. In many schools, you're either the student or the athlete. And I found a school that allowed me to, you know, I, I would say I'm pretty academic and an overachiever, but I love um, being active and, of course, soccer. When it came time to choose a dental school, I actually applied to many, but Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, not only was it the cheapest private dental school at the time, but I really liked the fact that they didn't have specialties there. Therefore, the hands-on, the the clinical aspect of Creighton was um, very attractive, and I was able to do a lot and before I even got out into regular practice. And it was coming upon graduation time, and it was time to find a place to to settle down and start our family. And I, I, you know, I had been married all through dental school and still am. And my dad actually um, is a dentist. He had a practice in Long Beach, California. And when he was about 53 years old, sold it and up and moved to Vancouver, Washington, which is near Portland, Oregon. I would have walked into a, I would have been set, let's just say. If I walked into his practice as an associate, I could have eventually bought it. I would have had all the patients doing what I say uh, because my dad was well-loved and well-respected. But we decided to live in northern Idaho, way up in the panhandle, actually near Canada. And we're between Spokane, Washington and Missoula, Montana. But we just fell in love with the area. Even though I had a little bit more of an uphill climb to build my practice, I was able to join Post Falls Family Dental in June of 2003. So I've been there almost 14 years. I spent eight years as an associate, and I'm almost in my sixth year of a buy-in partnership out of seven. So I'm almost, I'm considered full partner, but I'm almost done with the buy-in. So it's just been an awesome adventure and journey, and I'm sure similar to many of your listeners, 
as I am in a small town, and I'm a general dentist, a, bread and, a lot of bread and butter dentistry. But that's the beauty of dentistry is that you can kind of pick and choose what you really like and um, how best to serve your patients. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Everybody goes south, you went north. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm sitting here bundled up in a scarf and a winter coat still. And it's, what, almost May. But that's okay. I chose to live here, so I won't complain. But All our right. summers are incredible. The Our landscape is incredible. Our opportunities for outdoors and, and just the people here, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of times we have the, all these perceptions, and sometimes, you know, you have to kind of uh, let the perception go and find out for yourself, and I guess you did. And you Yeah, I didn't, I didn't follow the money. It wasn't about that. It was about for my family and the, you know, lifestyle we're able to have here. Right, right. So I'm sure you you, ha- you 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 did spend some time at your dad's practice in in a big city, you know, in Southern California, a rich area. So you know, you know, well, I actually didn't spend much time there oh. because uh, you can imagine L.A. traffic, and we were actually in Orange County, and he was in Long Beach, where you know he commuted, and that's why I'm so glad he decided to make this. Uh, you know, maybe we could call it a midlife crisis, but I call it a lot of wisdom. I mean, he was an hour, hour and a half just in standstill traffic almost every day. So I can understand. So I didn't go hang out there. I just knew my dad was a dentist. And every time I went there, I, I, I don't think I quite understood what it is he did day to day. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So when you moved, what did you notice that's so different? I mean, you went up to went to school up north again in Buffalo, and then mm-hmm. your dad also moved up north, of, of course, on the other side of the continent. But uh, you know, you moved up north. So I mean, what did you notice coming from a big city, you know, to a small town? Well, I think first of all, I think the the life or the pace of life is different. Uh, instead of hurry, 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 pack more in, which is my tendency to do. My husband is always like, can't you just like slow down? Do you always have to pack your day full? Well, that's just kind of what we did. And um, I love being able to walk into the grocery store or the restaurant and you run into patients and you can be, you can have a high impact in this community to help people. And I think people the other people in my community really slow down and and value what's important. You know, I have a friend, oh, I have several dentist friends across the country. One in particular really stands out. He's outside of Chicago in a suburb and his hours are 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. And sometimes he has to work that full day. He said, you don't understand if I didn't, I wouldn't get the commuters that go into Chicago. He also works Saturdays. Uh, if I was open past five o'clock, no patients would show up because they're all coaching their son's t-ball games or going to dance practice or, you know, family is just really priority. Not that families aren't priority anywhere else, but I just think that the pace of life is a lot slower than I was ever used to. It's amazing. So you, you smell the roses and, you know, and then pay attention to the the little things. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So let's talk about 
you know, you coming in as an associate. So you were there for eight years, and then you you got on the partnership track, and you started buying in, and now you're a, you know you'll be a full partner next year. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that experience like? You know, just at a high level before we jump into you know sleep. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, the only reason it took so long is that we were in a really small, cruddy five op practice. The practice itself was amazing. The patients that made it and the team was really good. And it was just that the building was small and and kind of falling apart. So in 2007, we, um, I should say, my partner now, but owner at the time, built a 10 op practice just down the street. And it's beautiful. It's 10 years old now. And honestly, I feel blessed every single day to come to work. And I know our patients are feel blessed too. You know, you always have that hesitancy when you build a new practice that, that, that we're too fancy for our patients now, or we raise the prices to pay for it. We never did. My response was always, well, isn't it nice that Dr. Lynn invested in you and not a second home on the lake? And that kind of shut them up because I knew they were thinking in their head, well, glad this crown will pay for that light over there. But saying that, I couldn't, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, capital for me to go to a, to a bank and, and get this, borrow this money. So my partnership probably would have happened sooner. When I became an associate, I was just thankful to have a job and, and start practicing dentistry. I was so raring to go and I felt like dental school kind of held me back. I knew I had to do more than one filling in three hours in private practice and I hated the inefficiency of it all. So saying that, um, and this is some good advice to those either new grads or people who are in associateships right now, but I never acted like a typical associate. I had kind of that ownership mentality. I didn't expect things to be handed to me or patients to be handed to me. I was out in the community. Um, I like, I hate the term networking, but I like building relationships. And, you know, I was kind of limited on how many days I could work just due to space. So I was thankful that we had the building where I could work you know, we could work four days. It was a little scary because the economy at the time was not <laughs> so good. So finally, when the economy came back around, uh, so it was about 2011 when like, I finally was able to buy in. But I think that was the biggest part is that I never, I've never been one to just show up to work and go home at night. You know, this is, I'm kind of a Latin nerd. So saying that, Voco means calling, and so I I say dentistry is my vocation because I really do feel called to do this. It's not just a job, and I think we're all very blessed to have that um, as well. So if you're in an associateship, um, I would say, you know, talk to the talk to the owner dental dentist. Is is this something you can buy into in the future? I don't think Dr. Lin is that much of a planner. I don't think he really knew. Um, what the future was going to be. Right. Let me ask you Sorry this. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, yesterday I had an amazing uh, discussion uh, with uh, Dr. Rice, I believe his name is, and he started something called Ignite DDS. And uh, he, we talked about 
you know, as a seasoned dentist, let's say a baby boomer, how to work with millennial dentists. Now, I assume your doctor was a baby boomer. Is that? He's 51. I don't know what category that puts right. him in. Right, right. That's not a, so baby boomers are typically in their 60 plus. So I guess he's mm-hmm. also Gen X. Um, Gen X, I think, is 40 to 60. Um, did you find any differences in the way you looked at things and the way you thought about things versus him, or that's not an issue? Like at least in terms of that relationship between the associate and the and the and the owner. I well, his dad was a dentist as well, so I think that they did come from an era where they didn't have to work as hard to get patients. You know, it was all kind of the golden era of dentistry. So I think he appreciated my hustle because he didn't really, he still doesn't really have it. <laughs> right. But I don't know if I'm atypical in that way. We had an experience with an associate uh, recently uh, in the last, about a year and a half ago, and I have to tell you, it was not good. However, I know that there are some hardworking millennials. I really just, I don't like people who, <laughs> it's not a good fit for me if you feel entitled or don't want to work for it. So I think Dr. Lynn saw something different in me and knew that uh, I was a big part of the practice. If I were to go start my own, uh, ownership was important to me. However, if I had a husband who was a professional and I just wanted to, you know, focus on my kids and associateship forever would have worked out too. So every situation is different. Your goals may be different, but I wanted uh, ownership. But I kind of came in with that attitude of ownership, not just, like I said, showing up to work every day. Right, right. Yeah, so yesterday podcast, we talked about the differences and a few things that came out just to just refresh my memory. One was that the younger dentists, um, they like to be mentored. They like feedback. They like appreciation. And uh, not like, you know, spend three hours with me every day, but just, you know, those tiny points here and there. You know, yeah, this is good. You know, you might want to try this. I um, think that's very important. I think being able to be coached is very important. But the associate we had wanted nothing to do with it. He had all the answers. And I was right. more than willing because there's a lot of things that, you know, I I feel like you – learn from your the biggest lessons I've ever learned in life are from the mistakes and and right. I could have it saved him a lot of that heartache but right I guess he needs to find it on his own right it's interesting yeah so I mean any lessons you would like to share with our audience in terms of what doesn't work or is that really hard to say because (laughs) well there's so many different situations and you know we don't have a lot of corporate dentistry here so that was never anything that I had to uh, consider I did work at the Indian reservation for a little while I kind of filled in in different offices and I every time I was so thankful to come back to the culture that my practice has so that's I would say build build the practice work you know, on what you're interested in, what you love, what you get excited to show up to work every day for. And that's kind of what I've been able to create. And and with a partner that, you know, we really do work well together. Uh, he's he's going to be around a little while. If I had found an older dentist, I wouldn't have minded that just so I could have full ownership a little sooner. But 
it's it's a great partnership we have, especially with me traveling so much more. I love being able to have two dentists there where our patients are taken care of all the time. So a little practice, I would think, would be difficult because you go through dental school with, you know, we had 86 in our class and people that know, you learn from each other, you're kind of in the trenches together, and then all of a sudden you're out on your own. I, I think that's why podcasts have really taken off or Facebook groups because of that camaraderie, that community. And I like that I can have that at work every day. Right, right. Let's jump into sleep part of your practice. So tell us a little bit more. Like when did you get started? How did you get into it? You know, let's just start. <laughs> well, if anybody knows me, what they like what they know about me is that I really like to sleep. I think I was born an old lady. My mom said she's never had to force me to take a nap or go to bed early because I just did it myself. Um, and my husband and I have a little prank war because he can find me sleeping in many situations and he likes to post them on social media. But uh, I went to a Idaho State meeting down in Boise and there was a sleep physician that spoke. I'm like, huh, this is interesting. So I went to that lecture in the morning and then in the afternoon, a uh, dentist spoke and I immediately fell in love I'm like I need to know more about this so I went to a course uh, by Kent Smith down in Dallas Texas in I think it was like October of 2008 and my dad um, you know a dentist came with me and my dad was the worst snorer in the world but after learning about what to look for in our patients uh, dental signs and symptoms of um, sleep apnea, his snoring history, all of those things. Um, it just it just kills me that I didn't recognize it sooner. But then you don't know what you don't know. So my dad was kind of technically my very first patient. and He did a sleep study, found out he had moderate to severe sleep apnea. The scariest part was his average pulse rate while he was sleeping was almost 90 beats per minute. And resting heart rate is 60. He, you know, that's when it became real to me. And that first night with his appliance in place, his heart just settled down. He still had a little uh, residual sleep apnea because he, he sent in the bite ahead of time and didn't really know what he was doing. But we were able to um, calibrate him and he his sleep apnea was completely controlled. My mom thought he was dead because he was quiet for the first time in their marriage and my mom was actually sleeping better too. So when I saw how life-changing this could be, how marriage-changing this could be, I was hooked. The problem was I had all this knowledge, but I didn't know how to come back and implement it. I went to the course by myself. I came back and I was like, okay, guys, we're going to be doing this. And this was kind of before medical insurance even really caught on. So I had this great service. I, I could identify patients that I knew had this problem, but then what? And so over the years, you know, at one point, I think my partner was like, seriously, Aaron, like, what are we doing here? You're, you're turning your wheels for nothing. There's no return. There's not any patients that are doing this because they'd have to pay cash up front. But the patients that we were able to move through the program their lives were changed. They they said they would pay every year if they had to just to feel the way they did. 
So I found my why. And, and that's kind of when I, I do um, lecture and teach now as well. In the, my kind of my purpose for doing so is because I feel like I can fast forward years of things I did wrong. Remember, I like to say you learn from your mistakes. And I feel like I found a pretty good flow and system now. And so I can kind of fast forward all of those mistakes for, for people. But I start off the lecture with talking about finding your why. Because there are going to be hurdles, there's going to be roadblocks. But if you ha at the core of it, if you have your why, you won't give up. Because it might be difficult at first. It's medicine. It's not dentistry. So that's kind of how I got started in 2009. Um, again, kept, kept at it. Um, became a Medicare provider, so physicians were referring. I was out in the community. My nickname's kind of the evangelist because I just want to spread the word that there's help for people out there and people that never even. I, t I think people tend to profile what a typical sleep apnea is, and they think it's a overweight um, old man. But I treat a lot of seemingly young, healthy people that struggle with sleep and have struggled with sleep their whole life. And we can help identify them and, and help them. So again, I just have this passion for it that hasn't been squelched and I want to share that with other people. It's interesting. While you were talking, I just was curious because I don't know if I have snoring. I think my wife has told me I snow, but I just was not sure because I've never seen me snow, right? So right. I was just... Uh, on my app store and looking for apps, and I found some apps. Is there anything we can, as a, as a, as a person, figure out if you have sleep apnea, like an app or something, just to at least say, hey, you know, you need to talk to a doctor type thing? <laughs> well, I wish it would be that simple. So uh, the nice part about this Fitbit or iWatch and all those things is that it does measure your sleep. It does, it does not tell you if you have sleep apnea or anything more, but what it has created is an awareness to people that sleep is an integral component of total overall health. And right. so people are a lot more aware of their quality of sleep and quantity of sleep. Now, you're, that's funny because I, when I teach, I, I'll say, okay, your patients are going to say this, and then they're going to say this, and then they'll do this. And it's almost every single time, you know, patients follow suit. But so many, I'll ask a patient, do you snore? And they all say no. But I've been told that I do, or my wife says I do. <laughs> but it doesn't, it, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. So right. there are some apps. Uh, some people live alone. And there are apps. I think Snore Lab is one of the most famous ones. But they'll bring in their little Snore Lab, and it shows epic snoring. I love that title, that category. Uh, epic snoring, moderate snoring. So it has brought an awareness. However, it's not a confirmation. But I would say that 90% of chronic snoring, if not more, is sleep apnea. It is a sign that there is a compromised airway. And what sleep apnea is, is where the airway actually collapses, where you are getting no oxygen flow for 10 seconds or more. And that's, I kind of call it the 30-second, uh, uh, oh, gosh, what do I call it? Anyway, it's, it's kind of this, if you hold your breath for 10 seconds, then all of a sudden it becomes real. Your body starts to panic a little bit. And when I show the patient from a sleep study that they do at home, how long they actually start stop breathing for, all of a sudden this little 
snoring annoyance and they're only there because their wife told them to. And um, all of a sudden there's this sense of urgency of, holy cow, I, I think I have this, I do have this problem and I don't think I realize how tired I am. And that's the first thing my dad said with treatment. And he goes, I did not know how tired I was until I felt better because it's such a slow progression. So it would be, I would, it would behoove you to, to maybe do a take home sleep study. I have a very good friend in Toronto actually that treats this and could help you. Oh yeah. So do we, how does it work? Do you have to go there and, and, and uh, just, I don't know. I mean, do you have to sleep at the office for a night? (laughs) No, see, I think there's two major barriers for patients. Well, the first is admitting you have a problem, right? That's always the first step to anything. And sometimes that first step is hard to take. But I think a lot of people, um, men and women, are in denial. And one of them, one of the reasons why is because they don't want to go spend the night somewhere. So most... um, sleep labs or sleep physicians or even or dentists who are really um, into this have home sleep tests. So it's a monitor that you take at home. Uh-huh. It measures, there's a, it's very common for pulse oxes to go out from medical physician offices. All that measures is pulse and oxygen. It doesn't measure airflow. It doesn't show you if you actually stop breathing. So a home sleep testing unit is a great first place to start because it actually measures um, if you stop breathing, then, so a lot of people, once I take that barrier of, you know what, you don't need to go to the sleep lab. You can do this at home. All of a sudden they're like, oh, okay. And then the second is they're afraid that they're going to get the mask because their aunt had one or their dad has one and it just looks horrible and I'm claustrophobic and I, there's no way that I would even do the treatment. So I'd rather live in ignorance than know I had a problem and know that I was doing nothing about it. So once I'm able to present that they might be a candidate for an oral appliance, then all of a sudden they're like, you know what, this has been a problem. I will, you know, I try to make the process as easy as possible for them. So at the bare minimum, I need to have a sleep test that's been diagnosed from a sleep physician because I can't diagnose as a dentist. So we work with sleep physicians to get those diagnosed. And then the third barrier is, is financially. And in the state, uh, Medicare and medical insurance covers the appliances. In 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 effect, what an appliance does, it's kind of like a mouth guard where the patient wears top and bottom, um, and it postures the jaw forward. So by posturing the jaw forward, where all the muscle, uh, muscles of the tongue and throat attach, we can get the tongue out of the airway, and the way that our airway muscles are configured, it's a circular muscle pattern, so it opens up the airway in all directions. And it's just amazing when patients come back and say, this has changed my life. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. So there's a lot of satisfaction in that. And it's, it's emotional dentistry. It's not the bread and butter. You know, I still do occlusals on three-year-olds. And it's just a it's just a different type of dentistry that I'm so glad that we can be a part of. Right. Right. That's amazing. Um, I was going to say, uh, tell me a little bit about the business side. So um, how, how big of a practice is this for you? How did you build it up? And um, let's just dive into that part of the... Yeah. 
Um, and that, that's the blessing of having a, a partner as well. Or even if I was a sole owner, I would I would probably get an associate anyways to, to handle more of that day-to-day dentistry. Uh, it's become, right now it's about two days a week, and it could be more. But I have so many dental patients that I'm seeing as well. That and and we do short. I do short term orthodontics with six month smiles as well. And my partner places implants, does sedation. So it's great because I don't have to do it all. But sleep has become um, a major portion of my practice. And many times when the patients come in for sleep, they become a dental patient as well. So business wise, it's kind of set us apart. I think it's fascinating when people say they've driven three hours to see me and I was like man do you know how many hundreds of dentists you've driven by to come to me it like I said it's really set us apart and so many dentists out there this is kind of my soapbox that you know that it's like oh it's just a piece of plastic you know they they'll make a snore guard for a patient what a snore guard tells me is that there has been no sleep study they send off for some cheapy appliance because they saw it in an advertisement and hand it to their patient and send them on their way. There's so much more to it than just that. The clinical part can be the easiest part. It's entering the the physician world, the medical world. It's the medical billing, um, follow-up. There are side effects. You may change a bite. And so uh, I suggest that if you are making snore to any dentist, that if they're making snore guards, go get trained and get more training because there's like 120 different oral appliances out there and really identifying um, quality and effectiveness and all those things does require more um, information. So on the business side, it's, it's been awesome because like I said, it sets us apart. Uh, It's something that is, is a lot delegatable. I have one assistant dedicated just to this. And it's brought in dental patients as well. And I, like I said, I love being part of the community and and helping change change lives. Right. Can you can we talk a little bit about numbers and specifics as to how did you go about getting the word out? And and kind of like also, you know, if if I'm a dentist trying to figure out should I do this and how much time am I going to put in and how much can I make? So both, um, let's talk, If you're, maybe you'll start with the numbers just to get a feel for the practice, you know, at a per patient level as well as overall. And then how did you go about going from nothing to where you are today? Um, well, I think that word spreads. So once you treat one patient, they tell others. But I'm not, I'm not adverse to marketing. I know some of the, we were talking about generations where, the older generation, baby boomers, think that marketing is a four-letter word in dentistry. And I even had one guy tell me, he goes, this is Dr. Erin Elliott. She markets. Like, it was a bad thing. But really, for me, in a small town, even newspaper still works. I'm in, like, health magazines, and um, we'll put articles out there talking about sleep and how important it is to overall health. Uh, I go do lectures. I'll do small seminars, lunch and learns at physicians' offices, hygiene um, study club meetings. I go talk to the hygiene students in Spokane. I do radio interviews. Uh, We've even had a TV commercial. 
and it's not that expensive where I live. But mostly the reason why I do it is to get the word out. And so many patients have come to me saying that they brought my ad to their physician and asked for a referral. So I feel like it's a kind of a grassroots effort, too, because so many physicians are like clueless about it. If someone comes in with a complaint that they can't sleep well and they have insomnia, what do you think they give them? A sleeping pill. They don't look for the why. If someone has high blood pressure, uh, do they look for the why? Not very often. So as as much as I can spread the word, I again, it was kind of a grassroots effort. I did hit the pavement. I took time out of my busy life to go talk to people. I've even treated physicians. And so the word has just spread from there. I, I'm just so passionate about it, too. It's kind of hard to to get me to shut up. My my poor kids, they they know <laughs> when we go to a restaurant or something, they're like, Mom, don't go. I know that's your patient. Cause just don't go talk to them because you're always talking to people. But I just love um, what we do and, and want other people to feel as good as the people I've been able to help. Right. So the key point you mentioned is it's education-based marketing, right? So mm-hmm. the more you educate, yeah. the problem is people don't even know they have the problem or how important it is to take care of it. Yeah, and and like I had a guy in yesterday who can't live without it, but he's young and healthy and an athlete, and he's like, I, I'll tell you, if I didn't know you, I would never have gone down this path, never, and my doctor would never would have mentioned it. So just identifying the symptoms, listening to the patient's story and connecting the dots for them, uh, we're, we're able to help a lot of people, and then, of course, they tell others as well. Right. The second thing you mentioned is grassroots, right? This is this is kind of hand-to-hand combat. You you talk to a doctor, you treat mm-hmm. him, or you know, give a you know talk at his office, or you know, um, at a community center. So it's really like getting your hands dirty and you know taking the time to. It's not expensive. You just you have to a be passionate, which you are, mm-hmm. and then that passion yeah, translates yeah. into you you talking you talking about it every chance you get. Yeah, and that's why I've kind of taken to the, you know, I I do teach a course with Tarun Agarwal in Raleigh, and it's a great partnership because it, I, I want to take the word to other dentists. And even dentists who have taken the weekend course and then never did anything with it is it, it really my don't give up. You know, it, it is possible Again, find your why and don't give up. Identify team members that can help you because sometimes it can be, um, it's easy to give up because if you come up, it's not dentistry. So if you come up against a hurdle, then all of a sudden it's like, ah, it's too much trouble. It's really not. Once you get a flow and a system, uh, it, it'll, it'll ignite your passion for sure. Right. Why do you think dentists give up? Like typically, like I mean, I'm sure you've talked to lots of people. Like, why, why do they get excited, take that course, and then do nothing with it? Um, a they don't have support from the team because it's changed. It, you know, I my one assistant, she's like, oh, I'm too old to learn anything new. Uh, and I said, well, unfortunately, you might not have a job if you don't learn this. Uh, it's change. It's outside of the comfort zone. It's not dentistry. If you send a uh, claim submission for a DO on number five, you'll get your money in a week. Well, medical insurance isn't as easy. 
there's soap notes and reports and referrals and you need a sleep test and a diagnosis. Then there's deductibles and portions and allowables and in-network and out-of-network. And, you know, that can seem overwhelming and easier just to toss in the towel or to get resistance from your team members. But I've kind of come, I came to a point where if you're not on board, then you're not my team member anymore. I don't, you know, allow the team to run me. So I think that sometimes it's easier just to give up when you have resistance versus pushing in and, and either overcoming it or surrounding yourself with people that are part of the team. Right. Right. Makes, makes ton of sense. Yeah. In terms of uh, other hurdles besides the team not wanting to, you know, support you, like what are, what are the other reasons why people give up? Um, sometimes they say it's their demographic. I'm in a small town or I'm in a big city. And I have proof of many people who have made it successful either way, me being one of them. I think it's a lot of it's medical insurance and financial things. Sometimes there's resistance from the patient. Uh, you know, they get all excited and they'll talk to a patient that they know has sleep apnea and the patient's in denial. So a lot of it's learning the communication and the verbal skills. And, you know, I have some patients that I just plant seed plant seeds with. And it's a couple of years later that all of a sudden they're like, okay, I'm ready to do something about it. And I always try to find out what it is. I'm like, I always say, can I ask you a question? Because most of the time patients don't say no. So you get them saying yes, you know, nodding their head in agreement, we have a um, an understanding. I said, can I ask you why it is you're doing something about it now? Because I want to find what that motivator is for the patient. They were in denial for so many years, what changed? Because then we can speak to that motivation. Uh, and then I think, yeah, so when dentists get patients in denial, it's like, oh, why do I even bother? It's an uphill climb. But there's many patients even within your own practice that have been diagnosed and tried CPAP and hated it. So at one point, the patient was motivated enough to go to the doctor, then go to the sleep physician, then go to the sleep study, then wait for the diagnosis, then try a treatment that didn't work for them. So the CPAP intolerance are kind of the low-hanging fruit. If you could change your health history, to create awareness to your team members that have have you ever tried a CPAP or been told to get one, that's an easy place to start so that you don't get this uphill climb that you give up on for patients, you know, that just are sitting in the chair, have never even heard of what sleep apnea is or why dentists should even care. You know, so I got looked at like I had two heads plenty of times, but I also didn't care. <laughs> I just kept talking to people about it. And, you know, one, if one in four men and one in 10 women have sleep apnea, do the math. You know, on average, 20% of the population has sleep apnea and up to 90% remain undiagnosed. Do the math in your own practice. And of, of those that have been diagnosed and tried CPAP, how many are actually compliant? So the opportunities right. are huge. It's just, learning the communication skills and mostly the workflow. And that's kind of why when I teach, I really like to focus on teaching the science and and the clinical skills, but also the workflow. Right, right. 
uh, I mean, that's a huge market. You know, one in four men and one in ten women. That's you know, you know, and and fifty percent of the population over fifty. Oh wow. Uh, so pretty much, if you have a large group of uh, you know fifty plus patients, then it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a you know you don't even need to think for two seconds. Right. Right. Is there? I mean, if if I'm a doctor and I'm really interested in this, right? I mean, of course, I can take the weekend course or whatnot. But is that a really good community or something that I can belong to to really you know get the help and the support and? Yeah. There's um. There's several, and I'm a part of several different, you know, forums, but um, there is the Academy, American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, and they work under the sleep physicians, um, but there is an academy I'm part of called uh, American Sleep and Breathing Academy, and it really is, we have, you know, conference every year, there's uh, the AADSM conference every year, so I have my little dental sleep medicine family across the country that really has a big passion and focus on this too. So we're always learning from each other, different cases, new studies coming out, different medical insurance policy changes. So there, you know, things are changing a lot. So uh, yes, several different communities, just as there is in implant dentistry or, you know, anything else that we treat. Right. And um, what do you do on this front? I mean, is it, do you have, a, like, if, if I want to talk to you, or is there a way for me to learn from you? Like, I know you mentioned you do help other dentists. Can you tell me a little bit more about? Yeah. So, I, in the past, I've done a lot of just like going to individual offices and consulting and, and training, training on their own patients. So, the whole team is is trained. Uh, then, I, mostly my my focus is, with uh, 3D Dentist in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we're going to be kind of taking the show on the road so that we can um, go to other cities, hopefully West Coast. But uh, like I said, teaching with Peru Nagaral is kind of where my second home is. If if I'm not in Post Falls, I'm probably in Raleigh. (laughs) And again, I just love being able to get the word out and get more and more patients helped but also finding, igniting dentists to feel passionate about dentistry again. Right. So is the best way, let's say I'm interested and I, I need somebody like you, uh, you know, to talk to or get help from, is the best way to just directly reach out to you or like, I mean, to kind of learn more about yeah. this whole topic? Yeah, there's two ways. Uh, the course that we teach is 3D-dentist.com in the Sleep 101 course. There's a there's one for Sarah owners and then the one that I teach uh, Sleep 101. But also my email address is Aaron Elliot DDS at gmail dot com, and Aaron Elliot E R I N E L L I O T T D D S at gmail dot com. So two L's, two T's, two D's. Right, Aaron Elliot DDS at gmail dot com, or what's the website again? Uh, 3d-dentist.com. 3d-dentist.com. And then you do teach the Sleep 101 course. So that's a good place to get started, is it? Yeah, very good place. Right. Makes sense. Um, how many dentists do you think are doing this right now, at least trying to do it? And how many do you think are doing it really well? Um, 
that I, I can't even venture to say. I know there's a lot of people that have been to courses and they still reach out to me because they want to make it work, but they just don't know where to start. So it's that's difficult to say. But even people that start doing it in my own town, I'm I'm actually happy for because that just means more people, you know, getting the word out. I created kind of a separate identity to my practice. It's not a separate practice. I don't have a different tax ID number or NPI number, but I started Sleep Better Northwest. And the reason why I did that is for two reasons. The first is I had a lot of people saying, well, why my dentist or my doctor referred me here. I don't understand why I can't go to my own dentist. I like my dentist. I don't want to change dentists. And so if a patient got referred to post Falls Family Dental, then they think dental. And I and I have dentists referring to me. They're kind of like, you know what, Aaron does this. I don't, yeah, this is not an interest to me. So Sleep Better Northwest kind of, I think, psychologically, sorry about that, psychologically prepares the patient that, yeah, it's okay to, um, go see Dr. Elliot for this part, but stay with my dentist. And the second part to Sleep Better Northwest is I think it really helps patients get into the medical mindset because this is not dentistry. We're billing medical insurance. I I like the fact that they don't that they don't think it's dentistry because it's two different mindsets. So that's kind of helps um, my practice in that aspect. I see the website. It's uh, sleep a p n e a n e a. Can you spell that for me? Oh, or? it's yeah. It's actually sleepbetternw.com, and we have I partnered up with different people uh, across Washington State, so we have kind of multiple locations. Where again, we're not like all partners. It's more like just a kind of a identity that we. Uh, have taken special training and and consideration in this aspect of of medicine. All right. Actually, you have a website called sleepapneanortnw.com as well, right? Uh, you you know what? If you type in Sleep Better Northwest, that's like the okay. landing page. Yeah. So right. Sleep Apnea NW or Sleep Better NW goes to the same place. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Right. Makes sense. Anything else you want to? share with our listeners, doctor, before we wrap up? Um, actually, no. I, I Definitely reach out to me if you have any questions. I like to help people out. I, again, want more people excited about this. And really, if you've taken a course before, if you're in that process of trying to implement this, don't give up. You'll get there. It took me longer than it should have, and I really should have yeah, like I said, found a mentor, or I have a mentor in, in Dr. Kent Smith, but just found a way to implement it faster, and I'd love to help you on your way. Absolutely, Doctor. Thank you very much for your time today, and uh, I learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners, uh, you know, would get a lot of out of this podcast, and I'm sure if they have any questions, they would call you, um, so, I mean, email you, and uh, hopefully they'll get to talk to you. Uh, thank you very yeah. much for your time today. Thank you. And um, I really appreciate it. And uh, once again, everyone, thank you for listening to a great episode of growingdentist.com with Dr. Elliot. Thank you.